As a small business owner, have you ever felt overwhelmed by the pressure of choosing the right hire or leading a team? Or have you ever found yourself tolerating a bad hire because you fear trying and failing again as you repeat the hiring process? If so, you're not alone and you are in the right place. Welcome to the Growing Your Team podcast. The Growing Your Team podcast teaches business owners like you to expand your unique business by teaching you to master the hiring and team management process. Hiring and managing a team does not have to be a challenge. You just have to learn to do it right. And the Growing Your Team podcast teaches you how to become a confident leader who hires right every single time. Now, let's jump into the show where each episode, you will learn tips on how to identify what type of help you need on your team, how to source amazing candidates, how to conduct interviews that lead you to your idea team member, how to onboard successfully, and how to lead every person in your business so you have a team of rock stars who you are happy to pay every single paycheck. So let's jump in and teach you how to hire like a pro. Hello, Jamie Van Kuyk here, and welcome back to the Growing Your Team podcast. Today, I have on guest Shannon Hughes. Shannon is a consultant and facilitator with a calling to nurture value-based company culture in small and medium-sized firms. In her practice, Eleven Studios, she brings strategic business mentorship and experiential teaching practices to incite easeful collaboration and transformational leadership. Through this work, she's on a mission to help people live fully, lead concisely, and impact the world with joy and collective aliveness. Today, Shannon and I are talking about how to really build a people-first culture, including what that means, and how to really make sure your team fully lives the values of your, your company. We also talk a lot about motivating team members, including ways that you can motivate and inspire your team members without adding any dollars to your budget. So let's jump right into the conversation with Shannon. Hi, Shannon. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Growing Your Team podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here, Jamie. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Can you kick us off with telling us a little bit about yourself and your business? Sure. Uh, So I am a culture consultant and a facilitator, and my practice is Enlivened Studios. And I consider it a a boutique consultancy because I work with small to medium-sized teams. Um, So sort of in that company range that's between like 11 and 50, if you kind of think about the 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 parameters and the the ranges that you see a lot of times that would be the the, the range of kind of company size that I support. Um, granted, larger companies also are comprised of small teams, right? So, right. Um, yeah, so it's supporting those teams to to develop culture and and really what that means is um, working with leaders to help them identify collectively with their team. So it's kind of a I, I my my experiences are very co creative. What does it feel like to have a shared heartbeat 
within the team. So oftentimes that comes down to values, mission, having an understanding of what those are and measuring against those and sort of understanding what those are so that everybody kind of, you know, marches to the beat of the same drum uh, in a really healthy way that ultimately drives retention and resilience and creativity and all the things that make businesses and people thrive. Awesome. I love that. And there's something that came to mind when you were sharing that and being like that collective heartbeat and using the team to really figure out what that means. And I think there's this this thing where when we go and create a business, so when you're thinking about businesses that are smaller than than that at this point, maybe it's just that business owner that's, that's thinking about their first hire, or you have those very first few people on your team. A lot of the times I feel like the business owner dictates that because the business is still their baby. And the business grows to a point where, yeah, it's still your business. You're still in charge, but the business has to kind of separate from you in some ways as the business owner. Like it can still be your idea. You're you're steering that ship, but it needs to create be its own thing. So I feel like at that point, bringing that team in to really figure out, okay, what is the culture now? And it might just be slight differences versus the culture you thought you were creating or what your initial values and everything were. But that's, I feel like it's such an important step to separate you from the business to make it so it's you and the business that you're running. hundred percent. And a lot of what you just said also resonates with me just as a business owner too. So thank you for saying that and recognizing that because that's true. When, when it's when it's our our baby, I love the word baby because it's so true. It's we're, we nurture it. We came up with the idea, you know. We 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 built it into what it is today. And there's there's these kind of this this. I'm doing this with my body. I know your your listeners can't hear see this, but it comes from your heart, right? And so it's it's tricky as um, as a business owner to say, oh my gosh, now I have okay. I have to delegate some of this, right? And a lot of that has to do with trust. And a lot of that has to do with really clear expectations and communications. So that's definitely part of that kind of, um, I wouldn't say separate. Yeah, it, it's a it's a healthy separation, right? Because you want to have everything in balance. But to your point, that's why when I say co-creative, that's why that's so important. Because if you have, let's say you are a solopreneur and for a couple of years or whatever it is, and now you're ready to scale a little bit and you're not up to the, you know, you're certainly not Google or whatever. You're a, you're still a small business that's nurturing this group of people. How important it is to bring those people along for that ride. So yeah, um, first of all, to your point earlier, culture exists whether you build it or not. Right. Right. So culture just exists. So the way that people hang out together and communicate the vibe in the office, or even if it's virtual, that already exists just by the nature of who you've hired and what their personalities are and what everybody brings to the table. But it's this conscious and intentional um, uh, creation, co-creation of what those values are. So even if you, Jamie, have an organization and you you say when you first start it that you've got these five values, well, now you've got people who you also want to buy into that. So values change, values change, and that's okay. The more p- the people that whose insights are coming into the picture, who might have a different worldview or different perspective, you know, what, what does the word integrity mean to those people, for example? Or how are we going to behavioralize the word trust or whatever those values are that you've sort of hung your hat on? 
what do they mean to the people who are in the organization now? And how might we start to just make some tweaks and changes so that those evolve as your company evolves? And then there's ownership and there's skin in the game um, as it, you know, as it relates to those people being part of that conversation. Yes. Yes. I love it. I was like, kind of, you're reading my mind there. I was thinking about, you know, when it comes to these values, sometimes we, we say a value and we just stop there at that word, like trust, but what does trust actually mean? And what does trust mean in an environment where you have 10 people internally versus an environment where there's one person and that trust is just between you and your clients, you know? So yeah, these words mean different things like, and they all are centered around that same definition, but how that definition is interpreted by people is different. So it's like figuring out what do we mean? Like, what do we mean as a team? How do you interpret that? How do I interpret that? How should we interpret that together? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and what this looks like in terms of my work within live and studios is, um, and you know, this, these services can sort of be sliced and diced, I guess, so to speak in different ways, depending on the need, of course, but, um, it starts with a workshop where you've got your people in the room. You talk about what um, there's kind of a personal values assessment. So what do we each individually, what do you, Jamie, what do I, Shannon, personally believe in our core beliefs? Why do we get up out of bed in the morning? Um, doing a little bit of that homework and then coming to the table in this group setting where everyone shares um what those personal values are so that we can start talking about what our collective values are. Because we are, if we are a team, we're, we are a group of individuals and each individual has their own value system, right? So how do we start there so that you honor where everybody is as an individual and then use that insight to create a group value set? Um, and what's really important after that work is done is it's a ton of intake. There's a great workshop. There's some intake, some follow-up calls. And then there's the writing of the values, which, which I also do. And it, it comes as a draft, obviously at first, because it's just based on what I've heard and what I've learned from the CEO and the teams. And then it's not just the words though. It's, it's the writing of the words. Of course, there's always underneath that though, what I call be, you know, be, behavioralizing values, which isn't really in the dictionary, I turns out. <laughs> but how do we how do we set specific behaviors that are going to align to those values? So trust, great trust. That's that's a big big word. Well, trust in this company might be uh, make make sure that everyone's uh, preferred communication style is deeply honored right? Because if you're an introvert and I am an extrovert, or you tend to work in the morning and I tend to work in the evening, you love Slack and I love email. Like how can we understand how each other communicate and work? And if we do that, imagine how much trust and transparency and integrity is going to be held within the organization. So there are the words that are like the big glossy words that you might throw on your website, but it's the behaviors that are really going to uphold those those um, those words and those values, so that we can live them and then track against them. You know, right. fold them into our three hundred and sixty reviews, put them on our val- our job descriptions, yeah, integrate them into the company, yeah. Yeah. Like you just mentioned job descriptions and that's exactly where my mind was going of even like the interview process. You have the way that this 
works in your company, like what it means. And when you really know that what what it means, you can ask questions to uncover, can this person operate in that environment? I know a lot of times when we throw out the word culture, people that don't spend time really working on the culture and thinking about the culture and working like in this area, teaching about it, their, their biggest thing is like, if someone's a culture fit, they're like my BFF that we want to go grab a drink together after work or go to grab a coffee together on the weekends. And I'm like, no, that's about making friends in the office. And someone can be a culture fit without being your BFF in the office. You know, yeah. that can still happen, but that's not necessarily what we're looking for. When, and what, so I always tell my clients, when we talk about culture, it's about can they operate in your culture and be comfortable in the culture you've created? Can they work with the clients the way you expect your clients to be treated? Can they um, be that team player in the way that a team player is defined in your organization? That's culture fit, not are you best friends? 100%, 100%. And I oftentimes refer to to this as um, creating a people first culture, right? Because you're putting above everything else Obviously, it's important to hit your bottom line. Obviously, it's important to keep your clients happy and and deliver on time and with great success and integrity to your clients. But how do you do that? You don't. There's. You don't. You have people. The people are the are the ones who are driving the business. And so often, um, I'm just thinking of big corporate because that's where I come from. But so often, um, the people are the last things to 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 be to be. Um, to be nurtured, right? It's the, right. it's the, um, the, the guys that are on the, um, the board of directors or whoever, you know, or the, the, um, the investors and, and people who care about the, at the company at a financial level. But at the end of the day, it's the people. Yeah. Um, it is it's yeah. interesting. Cause you know, when I think about that, I think about when it comes to some companies are so resistant to give them their employees raises, but I always say, well, what of your other costs went up this year? Your service that you use, they increased their cost by 5%. Okay, you just went ahead and paid it. This increased by 5%, that increased by 5%. Your rent went up by 5, 10%. And you said, okay, that's a cost of doing business. So I'm just gonna do it. And then it's like, you want me to give my people more money? And it's like, (laughs) every other cost went up in your business. Why are we resistant about putting our people first and actually saying, Hey, you deserve a raise that's in line with all the other cost increases. Completely, completely. And then you think about the power of that combined with, you know, micro feedback, um, water cooler conversations, connection, celebrating people's successes along the way. Imagine if you combine that with celebrating your teams, right? Which is they're both, they're both equally important. And oftentimes we think about the fact that rewarding your employees with those extrinsic um, motivators, which it like money. Yes, 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 yes. A thousand times. Yes. Especially for the women and, and um, people from underserved communities. Yes. A thousand times. And imagine if you can do that pay your people just like you were just got through saying just as if you're paying an expense or an upgrade in a software that you that you invest in and also bolster that with amazing culture celebration highlighting people's successes and those things don't those things those don't cost money 
It doesn't cost money to give a team member a shout out in a meeting. It doesn't cost money to get folks to take time away from their computers for 15 minutes and maybe gather somewhere, even if it's virtual or live, and talk about their weekend or connect at a level that's much more heart-centered. And those are the intrinsic motivators that ultimately are going to keep your people for the much longer duration, doing much better work for the mission that you're trying to accomplish. So they're they're both, they're equally important, but oftentimes we think a lot about the money, we being the collective we, right? And we don't necessarily take care of the people part. And a lot of times that just, it's not even, it's not even in, um, doesn't need to be a big expense. It just means being conscious and taking the time to do it. Yeah. And it's one of those things about knowing what really motivates your employees. It's yes, people really appreciate raises. They need to be able to afford to keep a roof over their head, food on their plates yes. and enjoy life and kind of whatever that means for them. Like, you know, people are are working for a reason. They they want, they need the money. So we need to respect our employees there. But at the same time, I always say that money, a lot of times I feel like it's a, it's a short-term motivator in terms of, yes, it needs to be there at a consistent level, but when it comes to getting those raises and stuff like that, it's a short-term motivator. It's that short-term boost, but it's those other things that really matter. It's yeah. the, and for some people it's different. Some people, they want that public recognition where other people are just like, yeah, I'll take it, but okay, that's not the same. For some people it's getting that promotion and, and other things in there. And there's, you have to really learn what motivates your team members yeah. as a whole or, and as individuals. So that way you're doing the right things for them. And I have this great example, and I can't remember if I recently shared this, is my husband, he's a software developer, and they had like a new manager or leader of one of their projects. And as you can imagine, software developers, most of them are introverted. So most of the people yeah. on his team, they are introverts. And this person that was leading this project or this meeting is was a huge extrovert. And he came in and was kind of expecting this uh, rah-rah attitude that all of the introverts are like, oh my God, this is making me so uncomfortable. And instead of like that person recognizing that, okay, this isn't motivating them. This isn't like getting the right reaction. He pushed harder for it because that's what he likes. And that's, and they're like, wow, this actually made it like my husband, he talked to other people about it. It actually made it so they didn't want to share wins or anything in the meeting because they didn't want to be like, all right, everyone, let's clap and cheer for this person. And everyone's like, I, I don't want that. So I'm not going to share a win because I don't want to then be that center of attention that everyone's like cheering for and clapping in a meeting. And yeah. I don't want to have to cheer and clap for other people. So it's like, you really have to know what works for your team because there's other teams we're doing that. It's like, yeah, they need that. They need that cheering. They need that clapping. They need that whole rah-rah thing to keep the momentum going. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And, and honestly, the best way to find out how those people, how people in your organization want to communicate, want to be honored, want to celebrate is by asking them, right? I mean, we just got through talking about job descriptions and interviewing. What a perfect thing to do in the interviewing process is to say, or maybe it's when they've already been hired, but you're kind of getting to know them and you're right before the onboarding. It could even be part of the onboarding. And to honestly say, and I'm talking about people that are in the leadership position, right? Because all of this behavior trickles down from the top. So you can't necessarily rely on your other team members that are sort of on the ground and peers with these people. 
But if you've got somebody who just said yes to joining your organization and you want to say, thank you for joining. We're so excited for you to be here. You know, here's what your onboarding program is going to look like, whatever that conversation is. Make it personal and say, hey, it's really important in this culture for us to understand how we each really want to work together. And you may, you know, and to quite literally be frank and open and have that self awareness right out in the open. Because to your point, that guy, um, no self awareness, just wanted to stick to his own story. And not because he's a bad guy, but that's just because that's what he knows and he doesn't have a, he doesn't have the tools to stop reflect, look around, ask curious questions, and really approach the situation consciously um, so that he you know, reinforces what belonging looks like. Right. But if you could sit down and say, hey, Jamie, welcome to my organization. We're so glad to be here. I just want to let you know, we've got a ton of people. Some are super extroverted. Some aren't. Some are writers. We've got poets and yoga teachers in here. We've got mothers and fathers, and, and we want to know about you. What makes, what makes you, what lights you up and what makes you kind of, you know, go back into your shell? Cause we want to be really conscious of those things at the onset. Um, and oh my God, talk about trust building. If you have a leader who does that right off the top, you've got, you've probably got somebody who's committed to your company for a very long time because demonstrating that level of openness and transparency right at the onset can go, can go really, really far. Yes. Yes, definitely. Yeah. I, and it is one of those things like knowing your individuals, talking to them, asking them, and some of it you'll pick up just based off of daily interactions, but it, it always surprises me when I'm like, well, what do your employees want? What have you talked to them about on an individual basis? And they're like, well, we've, we've never talked about that. Even sometimes when it comes to goals, I'm like, what are their goals? And they're like, well, we've never talked about their individual goals. I'm like, why not? I was like, because you can't help them achieve something if you don't know that that's what they're trying to achieve. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I always tell people, for example, like when it comes to people leaving your organization, there's sometimes they're like, well, they left and they said, cause they wanted to do X, Y, Z, and they could have done that internally. And it's like, well, you didn't know to offer it to them internally because you yeah. didn't have the conversation. So you want to mm-hmm. have those conversations and ask questions. It's okay to ask questions. And you can always approach those conversations if there's with your employee to say, I don't know if you agree with this. If there's anything you don't want to share or you don't know how to answer, that's okay. But I'm going to ask the questions because I want to know. Exactly. Exactly. And to demonstrate, to demonstrate not knowing too, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, just because we are the CEOs of our organizations doesn't mean we have all the answers. That way we that's why we hired these people with these various sets of expertise. So for me to sit here as a CEO and pretend like I know everything because I'm in, you know, a position, well, A, that creates a very hierarchical culture, which probably isn't great. And secondly, it, I mean, if, if I, as a CEO can demonstrate, hey guys, I actually, I don't know. I don't, I don't know the answer to this. If anybody else have an answer to this? And then somebody in the back of the room, you know, maybe raises the hand or sends an email later if they're a little more introverted. Um, one of the things that I have in the, um, I'm going to offer your listeners a download um, at the end of our program, at the end of the interview today, but um, it's the uh, five tips for uh, five tips for nurturing a people first culture. 
or inspiring a people first culture. And one of the things on there, the top, the first one actually is to host a fireside chat and you can call it whatever you want, but it's this idea of as the leader, as the CEO, quite literally pull up a stool if you're in person or just, you know, spotlight yourself on your, on your zoom and, and tell your story. Who are you? Why did you start this business? Why does this matter to you? Why do you take on the projects that you take on? And then open it up for frank uh, question and answer and answer things honestly. Share, share Share when you goofed up, share your celebrations and invite people into that conversation because now, even though I started the organization, now we're a company. What do we want this to look like? And how might we together kind of evolve where we are now into something new and different and better and awesome because we're here in this room together. Um, but just that level of transparency can be, I just got through doing this with one of my, um, I have an architecture client that I'm working with right now. And, and he literally pulled up a stool. I had a little YouTube video of a fireside thing. You know, he can do those things on repeat in the background. And he told a story about what, you know, what, what brought him here. And then there was such juicy questions that came out of it about where the company's headed and we're feeling a little uncertain. And what do you have to say about that? And how are we going to embark on this culture work that we're doing? What's it going to look like in five years? Um, And it was really great. And now everyone sort of has this concretized idea of what we are all here to build together. Yes. Yes. I love that. And it brings out the openness, the transparency and I feel like there's always that struggle with people, especially when they're newer leaders of what do I tell my team members? What is that level of transparency? What should they know? Because they're not in the leadership position. And I always say there's there's some information that you're not going to share or you can't share, and you're going to have to figure out what that is for your organization, but it doesn't mean you can't share anything. You know, maybe you don't tell every level of your employees exactly what your total sales numbers are, but you can share stuff on whether you're on track, you know, whether you're behind, what you're doing about it and things like that. So there's levels of transparency you can share. And, And there's also even things of like, how does that impact their individual roles in terms of how does sometimes their role impact that ability to hit those revenue goals if you're behind? Yes. Yes, exactly. And I love what you said a little while ago about setting goals because that's so important. Review, feedback, all of that are the foundation for conversations about promotions and conversations about um, you know, development, personal and professional development. What does that whole kind of architecture look like in terms of keeping a really close eye for the from an, the employee's perspective, but also the leader's perspective on what, what does my development look like here? You know, it's very rare to find somebody who joins a company and just wants to be in the same role throughout the duration of their career. Sometimes they do. They've got other responsibilities outside the office and they're just doing really, really good work in the role they're in. But oftentimes people are like, okay, cool. I'm so excited. I'm doing really good stuff. I'm getting all the accolades. I'm doing, look at me. What's next? Right. What's next? And, and as leaders, we have to be prepared to know what that is. What is, what is next? And how are we going to support our employees to get to that place? Yeah. It's like going back when I said, like, sometimes people will leave and the business owner will then be like, but they could have had that opportunity here, but you didn't know about it. And it's helping them figure out or feel like there's ways that they're advancing and learning 
Or it could be that you learn that this person wants to go into some sort of leadership position. And as your business grows, you're going to need more leaders, whether it's a team leader, an actual manager, more senior level positions based on the growth of your company. But this person doesn't have leadership skills yet. How do you help them develop those leadership skills either internally or through external programs? So that way, when that opportunity becomes available, you can put them into that role and not be like, well, sorry, I know you've been working here five years and I know you want that, but you just don't have the leadership skills. So I can't put you in this role. And then how is that person ever going to gain those skills when you don't help them? They're going to have to leave to go get it someplace else. Yes. Yes. And so often the skills that those folks need to be in management and leadership positions are emotional intelligence and communication skills, mm-hmm. right? Because you can be, I mean, the, the the skill that you have to do the actual job, whether it's finance or software or programming or data anal- analytics, those are hard skills, right? But, and I'm, I don't like the term soft skills. So I'm just, I've said it and I'm not going to say it again, <laughs> but they're people skills. You know, what is it? What is it? How do you, how do you listen intentionally for the sake of hearing what someone's saying versus responding, right? Which is Mm -hmm. what a lot of us do. Um, How do you hold space for somebody to feel like they're, they can, they can be transparent and open? Um, What, how do you ask curious questions in order to sort of tease out what, you know, somebody already knows versus giving them advice right off the bat, because it's the easier thing to do. Um, And that's sort of the the second arm of my business is, um, is the facilitation and the training in terms of emotional intelligence skills. So I get, I get excited about things like that too, because that, that really is those skill sets are what is going to uphold a leader and ensure that they're going to support the people that they manage um, through and through. Yeah. Yeah. And it's one of those things like as the leader, you have to help with that because when it comes to what people lack you don't always know what you lack because we view things from our point of view and even self-aware people are not aware of everything. They're not aware of how they come across. They're not you know, able to see that in themselves or they don't see the impact that of how they approach a certain situation impacts other people. And I even know for myself, my husband once gave me this feedback years and years ago. He goes, sometimes you're a little too direct in your conversation and your language and it turns, it could turn people off. And I'm just like, you just don't like me telling you what to do. You know, you know, it's all this. <laughs> and then I got similar feedback in a performance review at work. And then I was just like, okay, now I'm getting it from two different people in two very different situations because I might talk differently and more casually with my husband than I do at work. But if I'm getting the same feedback in two places, it's probably something I need to be aware of and look at it. And because I got that feedback, I was then able to start picking up in my language why people were saying this. And because then I was aware of it, I could then change it and stop because mostly... In the workplace, it was coming out in emails. And it was like, so obviously email, it's not just coming out of your mouth, you're typing it, you're seeing it before you hit send, where I could then go and change the language and learn how to not write that in the first place and how to write something that would better connect with somebody. Yes, yes. And what came to mind for me too is uh, as, as the CEO of your business or as anybody really, it's so important to have accountability buddies, for lack of a better term, right? People that are your kind of business besties or folks that will really kind of 
just hold you accountable. Not, not, I don't mean accountability in terms of doing things on your to-do list. I mean, accountability to hold yourself in integrity to what it is that you're trying to achieve. And you're right. We have these blind spots and until somebody that we love and who we trust and respect, hopefully (laughs) says, you know what? I've seen you do this thing and it's not quite working out for me. Or have you noticed that you've got this pattern? I've seen it a few times and I wanted you to be aware of it. Um, It's so awesome to have people that are in your personal or your, they could be even like personal slash professional, but outside of your business, say those things to you in in an environment that's safe and that feels like you can really be honest with each other and give that kind of 360 feedback to one another too, to say, oh my God, I wonder, oh my God, I wonder if I'm doing this with my people when I'm communicating with them and bam, you probably are. (laughs) And so to stop yourself in the tracks to do that, I, I find surrounding myself with people that are my kind of um, professional accountability uh, community outside of work can be extremely helpful because of those blinders and those blind spots. Yes. Yeah. It is one of those things like even if they're not watching you through a scenario, when you go and explain it, it's like they can break out and help you see like what's going on. Those, those things it's like, I, um, I mentor students going through the MBA programs at one of the colleges around here. And one of my last mentees brought up something. He goes, well, I feel like there's this problem with everybody around this, like one thing. And I said, okay, you just said the problem is with anybody you work with that fits like this demographic, uh, or this position, anyone who's in this title in this organization, there's this like, there's this tension in the relationship. I was like, so let's look at that to say you are the common person there. Yes, all these people have the same title, but you are the one that's working with each one of them. And maybe it's how you're approaching the relationship and not how they're approaching the relationship with you. And because you approach it that way, they there then is that tension because they give it right back. And, and he thought about that and it was like, he's like, okay, maybe you're right. And then he looked at it and he goes, I, I think he went to the next meeting. He goes, I think you're exactly right. I just assumed that every relationship I had with the person under this title was going to go this way. So I actually created that environment. So the relationship went that way. Yes. Yes. Isn't that, and it's, um, I mean, there's so much brain science around mirroring behavior and all that type of thing. It's so powerful with that, what, what, how we can create a relationship or a communication style or an environment without even consciously knowing that we're doing it because we're bringing to that relationship or that communication, our own beliefs about how it's supposed to be run or, and some of it comes from fear too, right? Like, or scarcity mindset. Um, and we approach it with this like negativity bias and we bring it into the environment and lo and behold, of course, we're going to get what we ask for, even if we're right. not consciously asking for it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So open communication, get those people that are on your side that are going to tell you the the tough feedback. And, and I think that's important because like you mentioned, kind of like a group of your peers, your friends, like the people outside of it is because you might have some employees that will give you that feedback. Mm-hmm. 
But even in the best culture, sometimes your employees will resist giving you the hard feedback because there is that dynamic that they are lower than you on the the business hierarchy. You are the boss and giving tough feedback to the boss is difficult, even in the best of relationships. So finding those other people that are not going to hold back because their paycheck doesn't depend on you. So that's always a good thing. Yeah. 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 There's a lot of work into building that psychological safety and it's not easy. It's yeah. not easy. Um, but there are, you know, there are ways to kind of create that feedback loop in a, in a 360 way of, so that people feel like they can also give you a sense of it, but it, but there's a little, there's some practice there for sure. And there's some formulas and some ways to, to handle that so that both people walk away feeling really empowered. Like they know exactly what to do next versus, oh my gosh, somebody just came down on me you know, and then (laughs) I don't know about you, but I've got a, I can sometimes have an inner voice that, you know, has a, has a bullhorn and tells me all the things that I don't want to know about, you know, who I, who I am and who I'm not. And so you don't want to put somebody into a shame spiral because, you know, or, or to have somebody make you feel that way either. Um, And a lot of that just comes down to building that psychological safety and that trust and that connection not only at the onset, but consistently all the time um, throughout. And and a lot of that comes down to, you know, the values-based culture building that we're talking about. Exactly. All right, Shannon, well, we have to wrap up for today. So tell everybody how they can get in touch with you. Sure. So my, um, I, my practice is enlivened studios and that's my website enlivenedstudios.com. Um, I'm all over LinkedIn and I'm at Shannon Dean Hughes. My maiden name is in there. And I have a download actually for your listeners, uh, and that can be found at enlivenedstudios.com slash people first. And it's the one I mentioned earlier. It's um, five tips to inspire a people first culture. And they, you don't need a big budget. You don't need a big strategy. You don't need to hire lots and lots of people to do it. These are five kind of tips and tricks to help you get started and in fostering that kind of people first values-based culture. So I hope your listeners enjoy that too. Awesome. Yes, definitely go and grab that because creating a people first culture is important, whether you're getting ready to hire your very first employee. So you want to create that from the start, or if you have a larger team and now you're sitting there thinking, okay, I need to do this. I need to make some changes. You're recognizing that maybe you don't have that right now. So go get that download so you can get started on the right path. All right, Shannon, my last question that I love to ask all my guests, we've all had leaders or managers that have stood out to us, whether in our personal lives or in our professional careers. Think of a leader or manager that has stood out to you and share one thing about them. Yeah, yeah. It's funny when we were talking about this earlier, um, two people came to mind. I won't I won't go into depth about both of them, but one, one is actually stands out to me as somebody that was a manager that was fairly toxic. And the reason that that's good is because I learned so much about what not to do. And I learned so much about um, what good management looks like based on what how she was demonstrating poor management. So that might sound funny, um, but I'm actually really grateful to her for that experience. Um, so yeah, she was my manager at a, um, at a, um, a software organization that I worked for for a number of years. And um, 
And what she taught me about how to build healthy culture, she wasn't modeling it, but wow, could I see what the opportunity could be to to kind of almost juxtapose what she was doing in all the things that need to be done to create healthy engagement, to have meaningful connection. And what does it look like to inspire people to do really good work and want to stay for an organization for a long period of time? Obviously, I'm not working there anymore, right? So enough said on that. Um yeah. And then my, and then I've got a couple of very positive leaders as well. And those folks were just fun, joyful, inclusive, did their best to keep their office doors open, just transparent and delightful. And really, I think fun, fun and playfulness really came to the forefront with those leaders, which I think is so important. We take things so seriously sometimes. Right. Um, so I kind of answered that question with two different types of people. Um, one is a specific person and the other is a couple different people who fit into the same camp, but man, you can learn just as much from the good leaders that you have as the ones that didn't really fit the bill and take what you can away from those experiences because it's all part of it. Yeah. I know for me, like I, when I was uh, just out of college, I wanted to start my own business. I knew at that point in time, I wasn't ready to start my own business, but I had this goal and then, well, I guess it was before I graduated college because my last internship I had was with a small business woman-ran business. And then my first job was with a small business woman-ran business. And neither one of them were good leaders. And I just sat there and I kind of got discouraged. And I said, oh my gosh, if this is what it means to be a woman leader in business, I'm like, I don't want anything to do with it. And yeah. I was just like, okay, we're going to put that goal on the back burner. Maybe I'll go back to it. And then I was lucky enough to get into, it was a larger corporate company, but with an amazing female leadership team. And I was like, this is what it means to be a good leader. This I can take into a business of my own. And it was, it was one of those things you learn. I learned just as much from the bad leaders as the good leaders of what yeah. not to do and how yeah. it really impacts you as a person and the business when there's poor leadership. Yes. hundred percent to everything you just said. Yep. Yes. All right, Shannon, thank you so much for joining us today on the Growing Your Team podcast. Thank you. Bye, Jamie. Are you ready to hire a new team member for your business and you want to ensure you hire the person who can succeed in the role, make you happy, and positively impact your bottom line? Then set up time and let's talk because this is exactly how I help business owners like you. When you go through my hire framework, not only will you learn how to attract candidates who have the passion you desire, but you'll be able to identify and select candidates who have the skills you need and can succeed in the role. Going through this consultant process not only helps you find the right new hire for your current open position, but it teaches you how to repeat this process with every new position you add to your company as it continues to grow. So if you're a small business owner who is ready to hire, has a rough idea of the position you need to add, and you're tired of going through the hiring process only to end up with bad fitting team members, then let's talk. Send me an email at jamie at growingyourteam.com. That's jamie, J-A-M-I-E, at growingyourteam.com. Or head on over to growingyourteam.com slash jumpstart. And let's talk about your hiring needs. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Growing Your Team. 
with your host, Jamie Van Kite. Be sure to subscribe and head on over to growingyourteam.com to connect, access the show notes, and discover more ways to hire and leverage your perfect fit team.